Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Being an elder or an overseer in the church or in a ministry is the highest position of authority in the body of Christ. It is one that must be handled with seriousness, integrity, humility, and most importantly, love. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and learn the qualities necessary to be an elder of the church in the service of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a, a Thursday afternoon, late afternoon here in Texas. And uh, man, just excited to be here in the studio with Stephen. And uh, it's just a, a good afternoon to be running with Jesus, to be talking about Jesus, to be growing to know Jesus, growing to serve Jesus, uh, growing to know his word and growing to live for him and love for him and give for him and and forgive for him. It's, it's it's all about growing to know Jesus, our 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 Savior, our Master, our King, our God, who willingly became a human man for us, one and all, willingly lived a perfect right, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, then willingly died a torturous death on the cross that we indeed deserved to die, and was raised from the dead. Right? It's just. Uh, I mean, just all of our devotion is Jesus, right? Now, obviously, I've said hundreds of times, we we have a triune God, one being, right? Three distinct, separate, individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And each member of the Trinity deserves our full devotion, our full worship, our full adoration, our full praise, our full thanksgiving. Right. But all of those things can in no way be accomplished, not at all, except in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he accomplished for us in his life, death and resurrection. I mean, bam, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your your grace on our lives. We thank you for Jesus, Lord Jesus. I thank you for giving true meaning to our lives, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you that it's only in you that we have meaning, that we have purpose. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that we would understand in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Whew, all right, we're rolling in 1 Timothy here, and Lord willing, we're going to do chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Good good verses here, heavy verses. Uh, these verses are going to deal really specifically with the characteristics, the character, the godly character necessary to be uh, an elder, uh, you know, uh, over a over a group of people. OK, um, you know, whether it be a church or a ministry, um, but an elder is the is, is, a, is a senior leader. If there's one, 
or if there's multiple, um, you know, they are the highest level of leadership in the church. Now, most of the senior pastors are also elders, right? There's an office of pastor slash elder. For instance, you know, I am, I'm the only pastor at Kingdom Discipleship, right? Um, and I'm also one of the elders, but uh, Jesse is also one of our elders, but he's not one a pastor. And then Tom is our senior elder. And again, he's not, uh, he's not a pastor. Um, and so then we also have, we have deacons as well. Now, a deacon, which is going to be, you know, verses eight to, to 16, um, and there'll, there'll be qualifications for that. We, we also have, you know, we have three deacons, okay? Um, we, have, uh, we have Jose, we have Stephen, and Nathan are our deacons. Now, a deacon, again, it's not a lesser role. It's not a less significant role. It's just a different role. It is a role that doesn't carry as much responsibility, but it's certainly no less important. So hopefully that makes sense. It should make perfect sense. All right, so verses 1 to 7. 1 Timothy 3, good stuff. Verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Verse 2. Now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. It's interesting. Um, I was going over these verses earlier with Jesse. And uh, it's interesting that verse 6 and 7, Paul specifically mentions the devil. Okay. Um, we really do have a very powerful spiritual enemy in Satan. Okay. Now he is on a leash. Okay. He can, he can only do what Jesus allows him to do. Okay. And ultimately he is being used for the purposes of our heavenly father of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and, and of the Holy spirit. Okay. But we do have a, a spiritual enemy, right? A fallen archangel and Lucifer, Satan, in the devil, and and then there are a host, right? In, in Revelation chapter 12, um, it says a third of the angels of heaven followed Satan in a rebellion against God in heaven. It says Michael and his angels, Archangel Michael and his angels, defeated the devil and his angels and they were thrown down to the earth, okay? They don't die, okay? So that means they're, they're still here. Now, it's interesting that in uh, Revelation chapter 5, you know, John says, you know, he saw this sea of angels. Now, this is Revelation 5, and, and again, this is just one way to look at it, okay? This is just, you know, a theory here, right? In Re Re Revelation 5, John has a vision of angels, right? Right? 
And in this vision, he says he, he sees thousands upon thousands, 10,000 upon 10,000 angels. Well, 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. Now, if you go to chapter 12, right? And again, this is, this is not certainty by any means. If you go to chapter 12 and a third of those 100 million follow Satan, that's 33,333,334, right? Or 333. Um, demons, angels that have fallen have become demons and are now in the earth. Okay, all, is that, all of that is to say we have real spiritual enemies um, that, that want only our destruction, right? Um, you know, Jesus said in, in John t chapter 10, right? I believe it's verse 10, right? That the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, okay? So again, uh, Satan and all demons, all they want to do is steal, kill, and destroy. Steal any aspect of your life, of your joy, uh, they want to destroy it. They want to steal it. They want to kill it. All right. It's a serious deal. All right. Back to verse one. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Verse one. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, overseer here, it can be an overseer. It can be a bishop. And, and again, the, and the term that's most used you know, today, and I think the most proper term is, is elder. Okay, um, you, you remember that that first Timothy chapter two finished with instructions to women. Okay, um, and so here again, there were no chapters when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. So he moves right on and says, here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. So again, an overseer, which is the same as a bishop, which is the same as an elder, is a man. Okay, so the men are expected to be the senior leaders in the church. That's what the scripture lays out. It doesn't mean women can't have positions of leadership in the church by any means, but, but, but God does expect the men of God to step up, okay, um, and be the senior leaders in the church, okay? Um, and it's interesting, he says, here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, the other version says um, he desires a good work. It was interesting when I, uh, when I studied for this, several of the church fathers made a point, and, I, and I'm talking about men of God from hundreds of years ago uh, that wrote commentaries, right? So when I'm studying, I study and I study and I study for what the Lord is showing me, what the Holy Spirit's showing me. And then I'll, I'll look at what other men of God have said so I can, you know, I can glean from their wisdom um, and hopefully deliver to you a, you know, a solid biblical expository message, right? And again, expository is when I'm just teaching the scriptures verse by verse by verse by verse by verse, right? The, the plan is to read the scripture, to explain it, um, and, and again, to, uh, to hopefully make application, right? Uh, it's called expository teaching or preaching, okay? Now, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task or a good work, and what these church fathers were saying is being an elder, okay, you're not supposed to be in that position so that you can have notoriety, so that you could be honored, right? The, the reason that you have the title 
of elder, again, which is the highest position of leadership in a church or a ministry, okay, is so that you can work, okay? Um, and, and, and frankly, again, in the church today and in the church, I mean the body of Christ at large, elders generally don't work very hard, okay? And, when, and by work, meaning they ought to consistently be doing work in the kingdom of God. They ought to be working hard and making disciples. If you have the title of elder and you don't have a lifestyle of evangelism, if you're not consistently talking about Jesus at some point throughout your day and throughout your week, Okay, if you're not actively exhorting and, and encouraging and discipling others, okay, if you're not building others up, if you don't have a sound devotional life where you're in the Word of God, really ought to be daily where you're in your Bible, but you're consistently in your Bible throughout the week. If you don't have an active and diligent prayer life, if these things are not consistent in your life, there's no business that you have in being an elder, okay, because being an elder is, is work. OK, it's 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 not there. So you can sit and have meetings and discuss what's going on and, you know, what's happening in the church. Those are all fine. Right. Um, and there's a place for all that. But it ought to be a seven day a week work. Right. Where you're working in the advancement of the son of God and the kingdom of God when you're not at church. OK. Um, and again, that's, <laughs> I appreciated the fact that the, uh, again, the old men of God from a hundred years ago, you know, just had no taste for, for an elder that just was somebody that got their name on the pamphlet, um, was honored during a church service, was given notoriety, and, and really they do very little work in the kingdom of God whatsoever throughout the week. Here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires, he desires a noble task or a good work. Verse two, now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So as I counted them, there are gonna be 15 qualities, okay? So there's really, like 14 qualities, there's the first one, right? Now the overseer or elder must be above reproach, must be a man that's above reproach, but above reproach in itself is not a, a, a quality or a virtue or a characteristic, okay? Above reproach is more all the rest of these qualities, okay? Uh, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but general, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. As an elder diligently looks to grow and mature in all these things, he will grow more and more to be above reproach. So does that make sense? What am I saying? Again, verse two says, now the overseer slash elder must be above reproach. Above reproach is not a specific quality like temperate right? It's not a specific quality like self-controlled, but the more temperate you are, the more temperate I am, okay? The more self-controlled you are, or I am, okay? Uh, the more, quote, above reproach we will be, okay? Above reproach obviously means that in, in all of these qualities, the elder isn't, you know, isn't grossly failing in any of these things, Um 
he's certainly not going to be perfect. No elder does any of these things perfectly, okay? But an elder ought to be taking this list seriously and, and really looking to make improvements where he's falling short. If he's a good elder, which means he's a serious and mature Christian, he will be aware of, of the areas of shortcomings in his life, okay? I've known a lot of elders. I've known, I've known a lot of good elders, okay? Uh, you know, but you cannot be a good elder. You're not a good elder if you don't look at this list and you're not able to, to soberly look into it and say, you know what? I need to do a better job in this one. I need to do a better job in being temperate because, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I'm able to be, I'm able to, to lose my temper a little bit. I'm able to be rattled, right? I, I need to do a better job in, in, in really being self-controlled when, when people are speaking to me a way that I don't like, um, you know, when, when I feel like I'm being disrespected. Um, you know, I, I do need to be, you know, do a better job and, you know, uh, hopefully no elder is violent, but I, I need to be more gentle. Right. Um, so, again, uh, one of the qualities of a true biblical elder is that they're able to recognize their sin. OK, the more mature we grow in Christ, the more readily we see our shortcomings and the more we're desiring to fix them. OK, if you're around elders and they carry themselves as if they don't have these shortcomings, then I wouldn't be around them. Okay, the more mature a man of God is, okay, the more concerned and the more aware he will be of of you know of the areas that he needs improvement. Okay, um, which means I must be extremely mature because I need help in everything. <laughs> All right, that was a joke. All right, but I do need to do you know most of these better. All right, now the overseer must be above reproach. Okay, and here's the first quality: the husband of but one wife. Um, th there are some silly interpretations, uh, you know, out there for this. Um, um, what this means is that he, he needs to be a one woman man. Okay, the husband of but one wife doesn't mean that he has to be married. Uh, it doesn't mean that if his wife has died. It doesn't mean if he's been divorced. Um, the interesting aspect to this list is not one thing in this list is dealing with the elder's past performance, okay? It's dealing with the elder's present character, okay? That's all that matters to Paul. That's what matters to Jesus. Again, any rational person ought to know that years ago or as they were growing up, that, that they had different aspects and different issues in their character, okay? As C.S. Lewis said, no one is tempted to all sins, but we all struggle in different ways, okay? Um, there may be people that don't struggle with immorality, they don't struggle with lust, but boy, some of these people can struggle with pride and arrogance immensely, right? Um, and so again, and one is not better than the other, okay? It, it, it's all shortcomings, it's all sin. Um, and so again, the husband of but one wife, again, means he has just one wife. Um, he's not in polygamy. Um, he's married to one woman. He's devoted to one woman. Now, it doesn't mean he has to be married, but if he's going to be married, he needs to be married to one woman at a time. Okay. Maybe the man was divorced 10 years ago, um, you know, and, you know, he's come to a place where, you know, either he's remarried or he hasn't remarried and he has all these characters in line. You know, absolutely. He ought to serve as an elder. Okay. 
The overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, okay? One wife at a time, a one-woman man. Temperate. What does it mean to be temperate, okay? It means to have a, you know, kind of a cool and even disposition, okay? Not given to wild mood swings, okay? Not given to, to being, you know, easily angered, right? It's similar to self-controlled, which is the next one in certain ways. But again, he's, you know, he's able to manage himself and manage his emotions, you know, in a way where, again, uh, he's not given to outbursts of wrath. Um, you know, he's not given to, uh, you know, just, again, just to being terribly moody one day, right? Um, he's consistent. He's stable emotionally. Now, again, no one does this perfect. Every single one of us have lost our temper at times. And in that, that point, we're, we're, we're certainly not temperate, right? When we have lost our temper, when we have raised our voice, okay? The point is, that's not his everyday life. That's not his character, right? His character is a man, not that he's been perfect his whole life, but as a general rule, this man is, is, is very much a man you would call temperate, uh, emotionally even, not given to ups and downs, not given to mood swings, consistent, stable, predictable. Bam. All right. You want to be an elder? Now, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but, what, but one wife, temperate, self-controlled. Okay. That means to have control over yourself. Again, it's similar to temperate, but again, you're able to manage yourself. It's interesting. Self-control is also one of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. Um, it's, it's actually the last one. And the interesting is it's a fruit of the spirit, and yet it's a defensive thing. Self-control is not something you do. It's something you, 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 you know, you refrain from doing, right? That you're, 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 you can, you can control your own emotions. You control your own disposition, right? An elder ought to be self-controlled. Respectable. Okay. What does it mean to be respectable? Okay. Just again, it, it just generally, right? That, that the man, the man handles himself. He handles his affairs in an honest and respectable way right? He's not a cheat, right? He's not a liar, okay? Um, you know, again, he has a lifestyle that's respectable. Hospitable, okay? What does it mean to be hospitable? It means that, you know, that, that he has a heart to, to, to help people, okay? That this elder has a heart to serve people and help people spiritually, right? Emotionally, uh, financially, he's he's got a heart. He, he's got a heart to be generous. He's hospitable. Certainly, he's he is willing to open his home, right, and to serve people, right, with his time, his talents, and his money, right, his possessions. And your home would be one of them. You know, some people, you know, the word hospitable certainly means to open your home. But as an elder, it, you know, it it speaks to the just the quality of being generous with your time, um, your gifts and talents and your resources, your money, your home, you know, everything that you have, um, that, that you're hospitable and desire it to be used for the Son of God and the kingdom of God. Hospitable. Able to teach, which is the last one in, uh, in verse 3. Now, there are teaching elders. I'm the only teaching or preaching elder at, at Kingdom Discipleship. Um, but this doesn't mean, able to teach doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to be teaching in a pulpit or teaching, you know, as I'm doing here, right, for a, for a podcast or a video series. 
um, again, there are there are teaching elders, um, but there are elders that that don't teach, that don't teach at all, but they are able to teach. Okay, they're able to teach one on one. They're able to handle the Bible at a very certain level. They they are skilled at some level and handling the scriptures and 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 sharing the gospel, right? And articulating the word of God at a level that they can explain it to someone, right? Um, you know, if they're out and about or wherever they are, that they, they are able to teach the truth about Jesus Christ in a somewhat relevant way, okay? Um, in proper way. Now, I do want to say that all of these qualities are qualities that every single one of us, okay, men and women should aspire to, okay? Now, again, husband about one wife, so no. As a, you know, as a woman, you need to, to be the, the wife of just one husband, right? But, but all of these characteristics are one that every man and every woman ought to aspire to, and the ones with deacons as well, okay? Able to teach, verse 3, not given to drunkenness, okay? Um, obviously, okay? Uh, it doesn't say that, that the elder cannot drink any alcohol whatsoever, but it says he cannot be given, uh, you know, to where he's consistently drinking so much alcohol that, you know, that he's consistently drunk or near drunk. OK, now you're drinking too much. OK, um, again, this is his lifestyle. OK, it's not saying five years ago he had too much to drink. OK, but as a lifestyle, right, he, he's able to manage his alcohol in a way that he's not given to drunkenness, you know, as a lifestyle, right? He's not someone who who's known for getting drunk, right? Not given to drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle, okay? Obviously, if you're an elder, you ought not be violent, meaning when someone rubs you the wrong way, um, if you get angry and, you know, you're, you're confrontational, um, you know, that you're, you're prone to get in a brawl, you don't need to be an elder, okay? That's not the disposition of a mature man of God. Okay. Now, again, that may be a shortcoming, but until you get that under control, you know, no, you can't be an elder. Okay. Um, not violent, but gentle. Okay. Someone who is able to turn the other cheek, someone that is able to trust the Lord, you know, uh, with his battles, so to speak. Um, you know, someone who is, uh, you know, someone, someone who's gentle. That doesn't mean that you're a doormat, right? But yet you're, you're able to manage um, disrespect with gentleness. I, I don't do this well all the time. Like I said, I'm an elder and I, and I, and I, and I'm able to go through this list and say, man, sometimes I'm not as gentle as I ought to be when, you know, now again, I'm not, I don't get violent, right? I don't get angry. I'm not going to raise my hands. I, I haven't never done that, but you know, my, my gentleness certainly could be improved, right? Um, it's not a hard word, gentle, right? And gentle in the face of disrespect. All of us can be gentle as church leaders when people are telling us what we want to hear. You get it, right? But how well do we do when people speak to us in ways that we don't like? I could improve my gentleness. Most of us can. But there are some men that I know that are just, that are, man, like they're so good at this. And I, and I'm, I mean, it's an incredibly good quality. Not gentle, not quarrelsome, okay? Here's a big one. Okay, um, I mean, we got so many quarrels in the church today and elders should not be quarrelsome. Just always wanting to be in an argument. 
always wanting to stir up an argument, okay? Um, and, and wants to argue about all different things. Uh, a quarrelsome person cares more about being right than what's right, okay? Again, when we look into our own hearts, we ought not be quarrelsome people. We, we ought not want to argue or fight or disagree or quarrel. I mean, who wants to do that, right? I like to say if everyone just listened to what I told them, we wouldn't have any quarrels. It's true. Problem is everyone doesn't listen to what I tell them and maybe I'm not right all the time, maybe. But, um, you know, when, when, when people disagree with you, uh, do you get bitter? Do you get quarrelsome? Do you raise your voice? Do you get loud? Again, all of us have failed in this, but an elder should not have this as a daily characteristic of his life. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. Okay? So again, not greedy. Not a lover of money. An elder ought to be known for being generous with his money. Okay? Someone who's who's not obsessed with money, someone who's not concerned with having more and more and more and more money for themselves while not being generous to the kingdom of God, to Jesus, um, and to the body of Christ. Um, uh, an elder ought to be a giver, right? He ought to be giving to the work uh, of Christ, ought to be giving according to his means, according to, um, you know, to, 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 to the work of the gospel, but also ought to be generous, Right. Again, according to his means, if you're an elder and again, your your finances are tight. Right. Then, you know, again, you still you want to have this quality. Right. Um, but an elder ought to be a generous man and, and not a lover of money, not greedy. Right. Um, first four, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. I was talking to Jesse today and sometimes there are just children that just have a disobedience of just being wild and ornery. I mean, they could just be out of control, but they shouldn't be that way in public, okay? If you're a parent and your children's acting a fool in public, you ought to have a hold of that little boy or little girl and not allowing that to happen. But as a rule, when you see an ornery child out of control, okay, most of the time, you know, there is a parenting issue that goes with that. Now, sometimes not. Sometimes you can be a great parent and your kid can just be a, Man, a little monster, right? But he ought not be or she not ought be in public. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Verse five, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Again, if you if you can't properly manage, you know, two or three or four people, how are you going to do a whole ministry or a whole church? Verse six, he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. This is interesting um, because it says, if this man is, is new to Christ, okay? And I thought a lot about this, um, you know, that, 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 and you put him in a top leadership position, or if he's too new to Christ and you even put him in a deacon position, it can, it can really promote an arrogance. It can really promote a conceit right? He could start feeling that he's better than others, okay? And so you haven't helped the man. So again, a recent convert, meaning he may be born again, he may be gifted, but that doesn't mean he has spiritual maturity, okay? Um, you know, and that, that was certainly the case in my life. I was born again. I was radical, um, you know, and there's still areas I certainly need to mature in. But, you know, 26 years ago, you know, I would have been an elder if you let me, but certainly I didn't need to be, right?
and I wasn't. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. The devil was judged because he was conceited. He wanted to be honored. He wanted to be worshipped. Okay. He believed he deserved worship like God did. That's why he was thrown out of heaven under the same judgment of the devil. So again, if we put an immature believer, let alone a, a recent convert, someone who's just recently come to Christ, six months, eight months, a year, year and a half, two years, whatever it is, into this position, we're setting him up to fail. Verse seven, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So again, um, you know, again, this person ought to be known even outside the church as, as someone that, you know, that people know is about Jesus, okay? If you're an elder and people outside the church, people at your work, um, you know, people at the gym, uh, people at the golf course or whatever your hobbies are, right? The bridge club, whatever it is you do. If they don't know you're about Jesus, if you don't have a good reputation that, that they don't know that you're a, a man that, that serves Christ and loves Christ and is promoting Christ and the word of God and the son of God, let alone if you have a bad reputation for being greedy or, you know, a womanizer or, you know, or whatever, then it, obviously you shouldn't be an elder. OK, if you carry the title of elder, people ought to know what you're about and what you're not about. You must have a good reputation with outsiders so they'll not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So again, you see here, the devil sets traps. The spiritual enemies set traps for church leaders. Again, and the higher the church leader, the more the devil wants to see them fall. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this incredible list here that uh, your word has given us, the apostle Paul has given us. Um, Father, we ask you to help us to be better men, to be better women, Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our hearts and prepare our hearts, convict our hearts that we would live according to these 15 qualities, that we might walk out these 14 qualities, and that we might grow to be more and more above reproach. Father, we love you and bless you, Lord Jesus. We honor you and worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.